Chapter Seven of Grace Harlowe's Return to Overton Campus by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six: The Return of Emma Dean. A horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse, chanted a voice in Grace Harlowe's ear. Grace whirled about, almost dropping the suitcase and golf bag she carried. Why, Emma, Emma Dean! she exclaimed, her voice rising high in astonishment. "'Yes, it's Emma, Emma Dean,' returned Emma humorously. "'It is I, me, myself, and all the other personally personal pronouns that stand for your old friend, Emily Elizabeth Dean.' "'Wherever did you come from?' "'Oh, Emma!' as the tall, thin young woman pointed significantly to two heavy suitcases and a small leather bag huddled together at the station platform. "'You aren't really, are you?' "'I am,' interrupted Emma cheerfully. "'I couldn't stay away. I knew you would need a comforter this year, so I applied for the position, and you can see for yourself how successful I was. Professor Morton was so grateful to me for replying that he said with tears in his eyes, "'Emma, I can't tell you how happy it makes me.' "'Emma, Dean, stop talking nonsense and tell me how you really happen to be here. It's too good to be true.' Grace beamed fondly on her tall, humorous classmate, who had been a never-failing source of amusement to Wayne Hall girls. Since you are determined to have facts, here goes. I've come back to Overton, the land of the dig and the home of the sage, to show what four years of unremittent toil have done for me. I'm to be a living testimonial, one of the after-taking-the-prescribed course I can cheerfully recommend, etc., kind. Briefly and explicitly, I dropped off that train from the south that came in just before your train, and I'm going to be Miss Duncan's assistant in English. You aren't really. Grace's eyes were dancing. How splendid! Why, I didn't know you intended to teach. Neither did I, returned Emma, a shadow flitting across her face, until I went home last June and found that things hadn't been going as smoothly as they might. Mother and father never gave me the slightest inkling last year that money wasn't plentiful in the Dean family. Dear, unselfish things. They wanted my college life to end in a blaze of glory. You see, father had put most of his little capital into a real estate boom, and that didn't boom, and it left him with a lot of vacant lots on his hands that no one, not even himself, wanted. A trolley line was put to pass through the section he owned, and it changed its mind, or rather the directors changed theirs, and straggled off in another direction. So unless it straggles back again and father gets rid of his incubus, which isn't at all likely, the eldest daughter of the noble house of Dean will have to hustle indefinitely for her board and keep. To go back a little, as soon as I noticed how worried father looked, and after I surprised mother crying one day, I made them tell me all about it. I wrote straight to Professor Morton. He helped me secure the position of assistant in English, and here I am. I haven't the least idea where I'm going to live, either. I'd love to go back to Wayne Hall, but I'm afraid I couldn't preserve a proper attitude of dignity there. You know my failings. Beverly Place is a house given over to teachers. I thought I'd try there first. I hope it won't be too expensive. I expect to send some money home this year. Grace had listened attentively to Emma's recital. What a splendid girl Emma was! She had not tried to dodge life and his inseparable comrades' trouble and hard work. Instead, she had walked out courageously, fearlessly, to meet them with smiling lips and a merry heart. Grace was already enlivened by the prospect of having this free-hearted, jolly classmate with her 
during the college year now opening. "'How I wish you could live near me, Emma,' she said longingly. Then she stared at her friend with wide-open eyes, the expression of which betokened the birth of an amazing idea. "'Why, you can,' she declared. "'I've just thought of the nicest way. Will you come, Emma? Will you?' "'It depends on the exact spot where the pleasure of my company is requested,' returned Emma waggishly. "'If it is to Camp Chapter, no, most decidedly. I have no insane craving for life among the heathen, and that no includes the Malay archipelago and darkest Africa. It's too cold in Greenland, and I couldn't countenance terrible Tibet. But if it's any place nearer home, say Hunter's Rock or Vinton's, I'll be delighted.' Grace laughed happily. "'It's a place you haven't guessed or thought of,' she replied. "'I want you to come to Harlowe House and room with me, Emma. I'm going to have lots of rooms, a whole suite. There's a sitting-room and a bedroom and a bath. I need someone to help me, and I'd rather have you than anyone else I know. Won't you say yes? Please, please do.' Emma regarded Grace with a look of one who could not believe the evidence of her own ears. "'Oh, I couldn't. It wouldn't be right to impose upon you. I'd love to, but—' "'Wait until you see Harlow House before you make up your mind not to live there,' interposed Grace slyly. "'We'll call a taxicab and go over to it at once.' I have my own keys so we can leave our luggage and go to Vinton's or any other place we wish for luncheon. You can spend the night at Harlow House. We won't be alone there, for the cook and both maids are supposed to arrive today. After you have enjoyed a few hours of my beneficent society, you may refuse to be torn from me in my sheltering home, she ended banteringly. I haven't the least doubt of it, affirmed Emma in a perfectly serious tone. That's why I feel as though I ought to decide now while I am in my most heroic mood. I never dreamed of any such wonderful good fortune. Honestly, Grace, I don't know what to say. Say yes, advocated Grace. You ought to be willing to come if I am willing to have you. If it will make you feel more independent, you may pay for your meals. I'll see that you are not overcharged, but as far as the room is concerned, you are welcome to it. Oh, Emma, think how delightful it will be for us. I say will, because you simply can't find yourself hard-hearted enough to refuse. I'm not obliged to consult a soul about my plans. Mrs. Gray gave me full permission to do as I think best. I have no set expense limit. I am to be prudent and economical, of course. That's part of my trust. After this year there will be an expense limit. We shall know by next June just what it costs for the upkeep of a house like Harlow House. This year, however, we are bound to do more or less experimenting. Grace gazed pleadingly at Emma, who stood in the middle of the station platform, her heavy eyebrows drawn together in deep thought. "'I'm going for that taxicab,' said Grace, as Emma still remained silent. "'There's one coming into the station yard now.' She signalled to the driver, who drew up directly in front of where they were standing, then sprang out and began loading the girl's luggage in the car. "'Come on, Emma,' coaxed Grace. You can finish making up your mind on the way to Harlow House. Emma turned to her friend with a face full of affectionate gratitude. I'm going to accept your offer, Grace, she declared. In fact, I can't resist it. I'm sure you want me to come, and I don't know of any other place where I'd rather be. I can't begin to tell you how much it means to me, and in so many different ways. Are you sure there won't come a time when you'll think, 
Oh, if only I had never asked that noisy, nervous, nosing, messy, meddlesome, moping, miserable, growling, grumbling, grouchy, greedy, galloping, galumphing Emma Dean to room with me. I don't know any such person, denied Grace, laughing merrily at Emma's remarkable self-arraignment. It sounds more like a thesaurus than a category of your failings, Emma. Come along, we mustn't keep this man waiting. Emma dutifully climbed into the automobile. "'One never knows what will happen next,' she remarked naively, as they seated themselves in the car. "'I feel as Cinderella must have felt when she was suddenly whisked off to the ball by her fairy godmother.' "'By the way, Grace, how is Mrs. Gray, the fairy godmother of Harlow House?' "'I've been so busy coaxing you to come and live with me, I forgot to tell you that she and I were down here in August. And who do you suppose we had as a visitor?' Arlethea? asked Emma. No, but that wasn't a bad guess. J. Elfreda was with us. Bless her! Emma's exclamation told plainly of her affection for the one-time stout girl. Was she as funny as ever? Every bit. She kept Mrs. Gray and I in a perpetual state of laughter. She's going to study law in New York City, and she's promised to come to Overton for Thanksgiving. Arlethea and Mabel Ash are coming, too. We'll have a great celebration. I'm certainly glad I'm here, sighed Emma contentedly. There seems to be a prospect of one continuous round of pleasure. I'm glad you're here too, nodded Grace. You don't know how queerly I felt today when I stepped off the train without seeing a soul I knew. I suppose there are a number of girls here, although it's early. Classes won't be called for at least a week or more. We'll surely see some familiar spirits soon. There are Patience Elliot, Kathleen West, Laura Atkins, Mildred Evans, Violet Darby, Myra Stone, and ever so many others still due in the land of Overton. Why, that's so, declared Emma, her eyes bright with the prospect of seeing her Overton friends. Do you know, Grace, I'm ashamed to say I haven't really considered those girls. All along I've thought about the Sempers and how strange and grey everything would seem without them. I know it sighed Grace. I felt exactly the same. Anne, Miriam, Arline, Ruth, Elfreda and you were my absent crushes, but now you are a present one, and next to you comes Patience Elliot. She always seemed like a senior. I think I'm going to love the new Kathleen West dearly. She's so clever, and now that we're friends I hope we can work together in ever so many ways. As the taxicab bore them swiftly toward Harlow House, the two young women talked on of the happy past with its pleasure-marked milestones. We're almost there. Look, Emma, you can get a splendid view of all the campus houses. Now isn't Harlow House the prettiest of them all? It is, I swear it, returned Emma solemnly. And if I'm not mistaken, one of your households arrived ahead of you. Certainly someone is camping out on the front steps. Why, so there is. I wonder who it can be. One of the maids, I suppose, or perhaps the cook. We'll know who she is in a minute. The car had now come to a full stop. Without waiting for the chauffeur, Grace opened the door and sprang out. Never mind our luggage, she said as she pointed to the driver. We'll carry it into the house. It's not very heavy. Gathering her belongings in one hand and picking up one of Emma's suitcases, Grace set off up the stone walk, followed by Emma. As she advanced, there rose from the steps and came to meet her a most astonishing little figure. End of chapter 7